All right, coach, you you thought you're going to make some team player podcast history, but not so fast, my friend, because you you thought you were going to be the first coach to never have actually played varsity uh, basketball in this, you know, the sport that you coach. However, we have one, you know, episode 37, uh, coach Michael Vitek, he didn't actually even play high school sports. And that was really interesting. But the cool thing was what coach Vitek shared with us is he thinks it makes him a better coach because now he's he's seeing things from what he calls a non-player perspective. And he feels like he has a different perspective on it. I know you kind of shared with me that what happened, what transpired with you in high school in which you're about to share kind of motivated you and was kind of a, a driving force, you know, in, in your endless work ethic. So just kind of talk about that. Your, what was your experience playing high school basketball and your progression up through trying to make the varsity team? Uh, first of all, thanks coach Kovo for having me on uh, absolute pleasure and honor. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I've listened to a few other ones and, just fantastic. If you guys haven't heard this podcast yet, definitely give it a try. And it doesn't really matter which one you go with first. Just pick one that looks to, you know, be your cup of tea. Uh, so, yeah, the welcome to Varsity moment. I, and when you first did ask me about, uh, you know, uh, being on your podcast and I listened to a couple, I'm like, <laughs> my welcome to Varsity. I mean, technically I played soccer Varsity, but okay. I, I never played like the sport, like my sport, which sure, is basketball. Sure, sure. Um and uh, so my welcome varsity moment would be basically seeing that uh, that piece of paper in the gymnasium my sophomore yeah. year when uh, I mean, I, I really, truly believe I worked my ass off to uh, get to that point as good as I was and athletic as I was um, shooting guard and uh, point guard. And, you know, I saw the game real well uh, and get there for the JV team, not varsity team, the JV Um uh, and look, and I think it was a list of about 15 kids, and that's just how they did it at the high school, which is, I I mean, I think it's a good way to do it. You don't have to worry about uh, coming into the coach's office and saying, you're cut, you're not here. Sure. Get up there, look, and I'm like, what the hell? Then I just kind of walk away. I don't say anything. I'm just speechless. Kind of walk away. Then I get to the gym doors to go into the, uh, you know, the the cafeteria, the the front of the gym. And I was like, no, I, I got to double check that. I must have misread that. So I went back, looked again. Sure enough, my name was not on the list. And the people that made the team were on the list. So I, I get outside the gym and like the other dudes, I mean, they're not looking on the list to see who else made it. You're looking for your name, right? Sure. So talking to a couple of my buddies that I had been playing basketball with since like first grade. So, I mean, we've been playing for the last 10 years. AU, we grew up playing and all this stuff. Um, And they're like, yeah, you see, we got a couple freshmen on the team this year. Uh, They end up pulling up a couple. And I go, yeah, I'll probably make you guys pretty good. He's like, you guys? What do you mean? I go, I didn't make it, man. They're like, you're kidding me. I go, no, I I did not. I'm not. My name is not on that list. And uh, quick, funny story, too. So my older brother graduated in – I believe it was so 90, I think it was 98. And he was, uh, he played sports too. And his sophomore year, he came home and told my mom uh, that he didn't make the JV team. He got cut. My mom was irate. Irate. She called everybody, the brothers and sisters. And about 30 minutes later, my brother goes, mom, I'm just fucking with you. I I made the team. (laughs) So, so this, this laid the groundwork for me. Like I, so let's put this in perspective. My, my love, my sport, like I love basketball. In my parents' basement in uh, Wisconsin, we we had this four-foot hoop maybe, and I would be playing basketball since, I mean, I basically I was walking around. My parents had keys to the gym and everything. So, like, my aspirations was to be walking out of that tunnel, being announced as, uh, you know, part of the varsity team one day at Catholic Memorial. I mean, I went to – I got dragged to all those games. 
middle school. My parents had keys. I was a gym rat. I, I just loved it. I'm not saying I'm a, I was an outstanding player, but I was a, I was pretty, I'd say above average, above average player. Uh, good enough to not get caught, I thought. So I get home and uh, I mean, I'm devastated. I'm, I'm, this is up there with one of the most devastating things that's happened in my life. Now, obviously deaths of people trumps there, sure, but sure, I'm sure. T- it's up there. Like it was devastating um, because I, I've got three more years to play. So I get home and my parents are like, ah, oh, how, how'd it go? You know, did you find any surprise on the team? I go, I got cut. And they're just like, yeah, funny. I go straight to my room because I, I can't even hold it together. I am like yeah. freaking out. So finally they hear me on the phone with uh, one of my buddies just talking about it, like, I can't believe this. So I wanted to, and like my dad's like, so what's up, buddy? I'm like, dude, I got cut. He goes, no, no, you didn't. I go, I'm serious. I got like, what do you need me to do? Like, you can call the coach, whatever. So like, finally it like sunk in there. Oh, you actually did get cut. Didn't you? Your brother like, cried wolf all those years earlier. Oh so my God. Believe in you. So, <laughs> and I never knew that until like my parents told me that. Right. So they're like, Oh, we didn't believe anything you said. And so and coach, you said your parents worked at the school. That's why they had the keys. They actually were um, no. So the middle school, middle school, they were at the middle school. So that's why they, yeah, had the keys for the facility. they okay. were uh youth coaches. They were I youth see. Coaches. Okay, cool. They, yeah. they probably, my dad coached 20 plus years of basketball, yeah. uh, all of us kids and uh, some of the older, older friends of the family. And then my mom did soccer and basketball mm-hmm. and volleyball. I mean, we, we had gyms to the middle schools, the elementary schools that we grew up in. So, I mean, Every weekend we'd be in that gym because of tournaments or summer camps. We'd, we'd be dragged. And my parents have six kids. So all six of us, we're, we're gym rats. We were soccer field rats, uh, a little bit of everything. So, I mean, we everybody knew everybody. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, it was a it was a bitter, bitter swilled uh, pill to swallow. But at the end of the day, as you talk, talked about uh, Coach Vitek, is it? You said? That's right. Yep. Um, it's a different perspective for us, you know. Um, I mean, I did play a little bit, but I never got to the, you know, varsity level, but, uh, you know, getting cut or not playing that varsity, like you you see from different ways, you start thinking in the mindset of of a coach as opposed to a player. And when you take a step back from the game, you see it different. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome to episode number 40, y'all, we have hit 40 episodes, and man, I got a special guest today for our 40th episode This is a guy I've known for a long time, I met him right when I first got the job as head football coach and campus athletic coordinator at Aldine High School back in 2015 Instantly liked this guy uh, he's kind of a kindred spirit of mine. He's a, he's a, you know, I've married into a Midwestern family from Michigan. And so this is one of my Midwestern brothers. He's from the great state of Wisconsin. He is, he's, he's since moved away from Texas, but just last year, I was broadcasting his games when he was head girls basketball coach at Aldean High School, our beloved Aldean High School. He was there. I had a great time calling his games, but, you know, sometimes life gets in the way or so to speak. And, you know, his wife got a great job opportunity. He has since moved out to Laverne, Tennessee, and he's now an assistant boys basketball coach at Laverne High School in Laverne, Tennessee. 
it's my honor and pleasure. Let's welcome David Rooker to the show. Rooker to the show. I, we <laughs> just talked Rickert. about that. Rooker, 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 Rooker. Coach R. I mean, Coach Kovo. Just Coach. like Coach Kovo. You know? Coach, we just talked about before the show is how I was saying, like, it's Rooker. And I looked at my paper and it just it just got me. <laughs> well, no, if you look at it, you're like, oh, Rooker. I shouldn't have looked at the paper, man. I know you're David Rooker, man. So like, uh, well, I'm thank sorry. You, Coach that, that's Kovo. too funny. It's absolute honor to be on here. Like I said earlier, uh, just a pleasure and honor to hang out with you for an hour or whatever long it is. But uh, I mean, I, I just like keeping this relationship open with uh, the two of us. I mean, we're yeah. going on what, uh, I mean, five, six, seven, eight years. Absolutely, coach. Well, hey, man, so glad that you're here. And then for everyone listening, if you're part of the team player movement, please make sure you've given us that five-star review. Seriously, it takes just a couple seconds, but it helps us. It helps us find uh, more people able to find this this show and, and hear an awesome story that Coach Rickert is going to share today. Uh, we have 39 reviews on Spotify, 24 on Apple Podcasts. Not not too bad for a little little show like ours, just a one-man operation here. But we're just having a good time talking to great coaches. Um, and you can leave a review. Uh, if you leave a review, I'll, I'll read that on the show. Hit the follow button. That's what I like to do with all my podcasts. That way you subscribe and you get a new Team Player Podcast episode in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. We'd be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on, on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. So, Coach, I got to ask, just, you know, we, we did a little, the, the cold intro there, and we talked about that that devastating moment when you, you didn't make the varsity, you didn't make the team, and, you, and you, you, know, you went a different direction, you went to the soccer route. Basketball was your love. I'm curious, your parents, what was the response? Was it, and now that you're a coach, because I know sometimes you've probably dealt with situations where maybe you've cut a student and the parents come to the office and, and try to, you know, question the decision. Was that, was that any kind of situation of your parents or did they just say, Hey son, just, just keep moving. Or, or did they talk to the coach or I'm just really curious, how, how did they handle that, that news that, that you had had been cut from the team? Um, so, I mean, <laughs> you have a child now, so you kind of yeah. know what it's like to be a parent. And I've got two of my own, um, at the time you don't know what it's like to be a parent, but <clears throat> they did a very good job. And, uh, you don't, you want the best for your kids and you want to fight yeah. for your kids and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, there's decisions made and things that are out of your control and you can't control everything. And at the end of the day, you got to figure out how to, how to, um, you know, confront those obstacles, those challenges, and how to rise up above, above through adversity and and understand how to make the best out of difficult, challenging situations. And, you know, uh, those that do that, as opposed to, you know, back down and, you know, just uh, just let it take over you and, you know, emotionally and all that stuff, uh, those, those that overcome that are the ones that tend to be successful and achieve great things and become successful. Cause I mean, I look at that as a success, not a failure Absolutely. in my past because it it's who I am. And, and I have a different outlook and perspective on things, but uh, they weren't going to, I mean, they weren't going to go up to run of the school and stuff. I, and I begged them not to, I go, it, it's yeah. my, it, it's my fight. It's my battle to fight. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, I talked to the JV coach the varsity coach uh, and the JV coach. And I just wanted some you know, insight about what's sure, going on. Sure. Like, you know, how do I go from one of the starting point guards or uh, shooting guards uh, last year, uh, if not one of the dudes that came off the bench quite a bit to uh, not even being on the roster next year. I go, I, 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 right. I, I mean, I don't believe I, everybody gets a spot every year, but uh, you know, you have to earn it. And I was like, I feel like I had a great tryout this and that. Uh, just wondering what your perspective is. And, you know, the BS that they gave me was basically we were looking for a 13th, 14th, 15th guy. 
we were loaded with guards. We didn't need more guards, so we decided to go with more of a forward or a post. I see. And I just thought in my head, I go, if this is the way this is gonna be, I, I go, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my ass and make sure I come back out next year and try out for the team again. And then and then like something set in after you know uh, once a summer workouts, it's like why am I wasting my time? It it is what it is. Let's move on. And you know I, this th- my routes can be coaching. And I love it. Uh, yeah. I always wanted to be a coach. I always wanted to be a player. Uh, like NBA was my, you know, ambition, but sure, of course. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm not uh, ignorant or naive or anything. And I understand my chances making the NBA were impossible, basically. <laughs> right. I mean, it could have happened, but oh, realistically it was not going to happen. So the next closest route to have such an impact on the game is coaching. So yeah. uh, I even coached when I was in uh, ninth grade while I was playing basketball uh, as a freshman. And, and, I and Dave, my brother. don't feel bad. I, I was a chubby offensive lineman in middle school. I thought it was going to be Carl Malone. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know that's all, the stuff like you, you grow up, you, you play yeah. with your neighborhood friends, you sure. play outside, yeah. you have, yeah. the, you're dreaming you're playing in the Super Bowl. You're dreaming yeah. you're playing yeah. in the NBA yeah. finals you're making those shots and stuff i mean i i loved it i love basketball but uh so i i was able to coach my brother uh he was in fifth grade while i was in ninth grade and then all through all four years i just had more time to do it then because i wasn't committed to playing high school uh basketball so i mean that's it it was one of those things like why am i do i want to waste my time in that gym knowing that i feel like i could be getting more respect uh, or starting off my basketball coaching career. So I kind of, yeah. uh, and I got to spend more time with my dad and I got to spend more time with my brother. Uh, it, it was a win-win situation, even though I'm still, I'm not gonna lie. I'm still sure. uh, like bitter. It's still bittersweet in my mouth. Yeah, I'm not losing cared. sleep yeah. over it or anything, yeah. but at the end of the day, I will never forget that day. I mean, it's no one of the most, like I said, devastating no. days of my life. Yeah. Formative too. I mean, formative in a good way, like you said, but you know, I know you, you've, you've sung the praises to me of, of a team player podcast alum that I'm going to bring up here. Christine Danzer, you know, you've done many a battle against her and her MacArthur Lady General. JV and, so, and Varsity. Yep. You guys kind of came up the ranks together as assistants and then, you know, took over the programs. And I remember in her episode, she she said that, you know, she's, she said, Kovo, the one thing that might drive me out of this profession that I love is when parents don't want their kids to be held accountable. You know, they, 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 they want to fight every battle for their kids. So the way that your parents handled that and the way that you as a student handled that and said, Hey, it's my cross to bear. You know, I got, you know, I just, I'm impressed with your family, Dave. You know, I just think that was really cool. But the last question I want to ask on this topic, having that formative experience now that you're a coach and you make those decisions on cut day, you're make you're put, you're, you're the one pinning that paper up there that that some kids are going to have to see it. And they're going to go, they're going to go through the same feeling that you did. Has that changed anything or given you some kind of new perspective or have you, have you, has has that experience that you lived changed the way that you handle cut day as a coach now? So that's a great question. And uh, I am very thankful for my parents because I mean, there are a lot to do with the way I am nowadays uh, today. And, you know, it just would have been embarrassing for my parents to go fight that battle for me. So I, I am thankful that they listened to me. And I mean, they, they're like, do you want us to, and I, I don't know. Uh, but I've also been thankful, uh, very grateful in the essence of, I was working at Aldean for four years. Um, then I went to college park for two years and then I was at um, Aldean for another two years. I personally had not had to make any cuts yet in my uh, mm, coaching career. Okay. Now kicking kids off or having converse, tough conversations sure. or giving a kid another last opportunity. I've been there, done that. But uh, w- even with Salazar um, and I, I will sing her praises forever. I mean, she yeah, was, yeah. she was, that another was such team a player podcast alum, but both. Oh, like, I loved it. Uh, it. Like we had an all And Kendra Van Zandt. Oh, we've coach, had the whole, like, the whole lineage it, come through here. It's been fantastic. <laughs> like what I learned from that coaching staff was just awesome. 
Uh, but uh, so I JV year, uh, I think it was my second or third year on the staff. We we I I had almost twenty kids on my roster, and uh, Sal Sal literally was telling me, you know, we could probably get a sophomore team like a JV A and B team, and then we could try to get some private schools or something else to get those kids at least some playing time. And she goes, otherwise just have kids fight for a Jersey. So that's what I ended up doing. And if kids didn't make grades, or whatever, obviously they kind of limited themselves. I could, I didn't have to cut them, but it's just hard to cut a kid that has put in their time effort and they're a good kid. That's willing to try. Now, if we had 60 kids trying to play JV basketball, that's a different story, but I haven't been in that situation yet. So that's one thing. And you call me, you know, I got a big heart and, you know, I care about these kids and I do, I, I, I honestly do, but I'm holding them accountable. I'm going to call them out when, when they do wrong and tell them where, where they stand, but the communication is going to be on and they're, they're not going to be blindsided by stuff uh, that I do to them. At least I hope I've never done that. And I, and I don't believe I have that anybody's addressed that with me. So that's kind of where I come from on that. I blessed. love it. I love everything you said. And just for any any fans listening in, these are episodes you're going to want to go back and check out. Episode number one was Kendra Venzant. She's the head girls basketball coach at Nimitz and also, you know, worked with Coach Coach R over at Aldean. Chris Danzer, head girls basketball coach at MacArthur. She was episode number 10. And, of course, Jennifer Salazar, you know, your, your, your boss there at Aldean when we were all together, she was episode number 25. So if anyone is listening – bookmark those episodes for sure and listen to those and i know coach uh coach rickard has and has really enjoyed them but let's just talk now let's let's talk about your, your growing up coach you grew up in the shaw waukesha wisconsin am i saying that right yeah that is correct okay. the shaw when, when i grew up as a little kid i thought it was waukesha but then as i grew up you know i was like okay waukesha some people pronounce it that way <laughs> yeah waukesha wisconsin suburb of milwaukee and then my dad's from rockford illinois so i and so I have some family that was in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Right. And yeah. the Rockford connection, I was a huge uh, a League of Their Own fan. So I, I remember yes. the racing bells, you yes. know, and uh, I had a science teacher from Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'll never forget that. Mr. Platinum, wow. my seventh grade science teacher. So I've, those are some of the few brushes with Wisconsin I've had as a, as a Texan. But uh, everyone I've ever met from Wisconsin is just salt of the earth kind of person, man. I honestly, honestly speaking. So, so glad that you came down here, but you grew well, up. Thank and, you. Yeah. So what, what are just some of your memories? What's Waukesha, Wisconsin like? I mean, what, 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 how would you describe your hometown? Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, I grew up like every kid's dream. Like it was awesome. My parents sacrificed so much for us to be able to grow up. I mean, like I said, that they, they had uh, six kids and it was just, it, we were always, doing stuff on the weekends, even during the week. Um, so I have three older siblings and two younger. So um, I was kind of the middle, the younger middle uh, of the six, but we'd be in uh, at soccer fields all weekend. We'd be in the gyms on the weekends all weekend. My parents were on the athletic board for the middle schools that we played at and grew up at. They got in connection with a big time, uh, not a big time coach, but a big time camp coach, uh, Dick Luther. He's coached college basketball. So we would always be in those uh, camps for them. And then just, uh, we, we, it was just the, a kid's dream growing up. We lived uh, two or three blocks down from a neighborhood pool. So all summer we'd be, my dad would always be taking us down there at nights or on the weekends to, to swim during the summer. And then like we'd be playing night games every night during the summer as well. And we were so blessed to be so close to Milwaukee. So yeah. we got to go to a ton of Brewer games. We got to go to some um, Bucks basketball games. We, we did a lot of Milwaukee wave indoor soccer games. And cool. then yeah. we even got to, I mean, Lambeau was what, two to three hours North to green Bay. So we, we did our handful of uh, football games as Very well. Cool. So, I mean, Oh, and then Madison is uh, sure. just West an hour. Or so we got to go to Madison uh, basketball games as well as, 
football game. So, I mean, it was, like I said, it, I, I will talk it up and I am probably under talking it up, but it was yep. like, it was yeah. every kid's dream of the way we grew up. I mean, it was just great. I, I loved it. And it was a small knit community. That's cool, man. Cause my wife's from Livonia, Michigan. And right. I see that Waukesha is about, thir- I'd say, 30 minutes west of, of Milwaukee. And that's kind of how Livonia is, like about a thir- half hour yeah. west of Detroit. But then it's Detroit. on the way to Ann Arbor, just like you're on the way to Madison. So it's just a really cool location in between those two hubs. Correct. Do you remember the Milwaukee Mustangs Arena Football what? League team? Yes, yes. We I went to a Thunder couple Bears. of those games. Yes, Milwaukee yep. Mustangs. That's right. I remember the Milwaukee, the full purple, purple team. Yeah. Yes. And coach, I, that's I, I never knew this about you. How old are you? When did, when did you graduate? I don't even know that about you. Uh, 2003. For man, we are the, I'm, I'm class of 02, man. Yeah, we're about the same age. I thought you were way younger than me. You got that good hair, you know? Oh, please. <laughs> I'm wearing my Packers uh, winter cap on, so you can't even tell. <laughs> I did think you were a couple years younger than me, man. You, you're yeah. looking good, coach. But uh, Well, no, thank you. Cool. It, it goes cool. both ways. You look good too, coach. Appreciate that, man. So we, we kind of get the same 90s references there growing up in Correct. that time period. But Okay, so we talked about you went to Waukesha Catholic Memorial High School, and then after that, you decided to go to UW Oshkosh, and that's about 90 minutes northwest, I'd say, of Milwaukee. So let's just talk about that. What was the kind of, were there other choices you were thinking about, or what was the the decision-making process at Legend Oshkosh? Dude, so funny story. So my sister, so my my oldest sister went to St. Louis. I did not want to go. I didn't want to go to state. There's no reason for me to go to state. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother went to UW Milwaukee, and then uh, I'm trying to think. I think he did some culinary arts and stuff. And then my other sister, that's older than me, went to lacrosse. I fell in love with lacrosse. I love the lacrosse area. Uh, but uh, so I, I may not have applied myself very well in high school. <laughs> uh, got about a 3.0 ish. And okay. I was not the best test taker and I didn't focus very well. Maybe I was on the spectrum for ADD and probably still ADHD probably still am, but now I know how to cope with it a little bit better. Um, so my ACT SAT scores weren't the greatest either. Um, <laughs> and then finally I realized, shit, I want to go to college. Like I need to up my GPA. So the next thing I know after sophomore year, I go from like a 2.7 or 2.8 because, you know, I'm just doing the bare minimum. Get by. I'm enjoying myself, having fun, playing soccer, uh, coached, uh, played a little basketball, did intramurals, played with my buddies all the time, hang out, you know, just have, enjoy the high school experience. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, all right, I need to turn this on. I literally average at 3.7, 3.8 the next two years and bump it up to like a 3.3 by nice. the time I graduate. There you go. Uh, but lacrosse was kind of out of the picture. Madison, I did not want to go to. It was just too big for me. Um, and I wanted to go somewhere for teaching, you know, teaching uh, so I can get in the route into coaching. And people kept saying, Oshkosh has got a great education program. Oshkosh. So I didn't get into lacrosse. Milwaukee, I was like, that's too close to home. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I don't want to do, I want to get away. So sure. Oshkosh was a good medium. And uh, I ended up getting accepted there because all my things kind of worked out. And kind of the rest was history after that. But uh, a couple of my buddies went to school there. Um, and it was, like I said, it was far enough away. And, and I love the campus when I, when I visited. It's like, man, this is not a bad place. So that's kind of the gist of it. My, my stupidity didn't allow me to have more options, but Oshkosh worked out great. It, and boy, did it ever in, in the romance department. Cause I, I I've heard you on another podcast, tell the story of how you met your, your wife. And we like to talk yes, about our, our significant others here on the, on the team player podcast. And so if you don't mind sharing, I, I thought it was a great story that you shared. Do you, you want to just share with our listeners, how, how you met your wife out there at Oshkosh? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my, my better half, Ashley Stefan, um, <laughs> basically born and raised in the Stevens point slash Oshkosh area went to high school at the local high school actually where i ended up getting my first high school stint of a uh, volunteer coaching at oshkosh west she graduated from there but uh 
So I was a lifeguard for about eight to 10 years between teaching, um, teaching um, swim lessons and uh, head guarding, managing, and just regular lifeguarding. So one of the places was uh, in the Oshkosh area. They, they just opened a brand new pool. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I'll go ahead and apply for it. And sure enough, I actually got the head guard manager uh, position. I did that for two years. We opened, I opened it up. Well, my wife now, Ashley, uh, then was uh, in the parks and recs department. Mm-hmm. She was like the facilities, like uh, in charge of like the chemicals, the, the garbage, the concessions, the the tickets, all that stuff. And we were in charge of the, you know, the patrons and safety and make sure that so, I mean, we would be meandering on the, you know, decks of uh, Pollock Community Water Park, which is uh, what yeah. the name is, PCWP, I believe it's called, um, right in Oshkosh, right across the street from Oshkosh West High School, actually. Beautiful water park. Uh, and, you know, I was like, man, who is this beautiful blonde just, like, strolling <laughs> the decks? I go, I got to keep my focus, though. You know, I, I got to make sure, to protect. Yeah, make sure gotta... my lifeguards are. <laughs> so then, you know, I just wanted to check in to see how things are going, I introduce myself. It was actually underneath like one of the tube slides that was there. And you know, I was like, Hey, you need some help, uh, you know, help with these tubes. Like to- she's like, who are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm Dave. Ashley, yeah. Hey, nice to meet you. And then uh, the rest is kind of history um, after that. But uh, we kind of built our relationship through the the pool aspect, but she did stand me up on my first date. So. <laughs> oh, so Hey, and I, she said I, I she was she- sick. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard that on your other podcast that, that you're on, man. That's a great story, but. I just picture you, you're kind of like, it's like Baywatch. You're trying to be like Hasselhoff, just strutting around. You got, you had the hair, you know, it's your good hair. So was that, was that kind of. And I hit the sun and the gold, the gold sun in, um, (laughs) because I got more of a darker, not dark brown, but brownish, but I sprayed that sun in and it'd be blonde almost every summer. That's so embarrassing, but yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, good, good stuff there, coach. I know we, we like to laugh and joke about that, but on a little more somber note, I heard you on a podcast and I never knew this about you and your wife that you, you had a you know, really fairly traumatic experience with your daughter, you know, getting sick. And yes. I really just enjoyed listening to that podcast because you humanized it for us, you know, letting us hear someone that we know you haven't having gone through that, but also just your resolve, both of y'all, you know, just to face that adversity and keep on moving forward and trying to figure it out. And I mean, I, I, I know I shared with you, like, my wife and I, when we were first trying to start our family, right. we, it wasn't easy for us to start a family at first. Correct. So we ended up needing to, you know, go the IVF route and, and, and go that route to help, you know, help us start our family. And now we have Bo, our son, and, right. you know, and we're so thankful. But I think the thing is, in life, all of us face different adversities. And I talk about a lot in this show that I grew up in kind of a dysfunctional home. You know, my dad was abusive and stuff. And right. so I always thought I was the only kid going through that. Correct. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it right? Every time you go through adversity, you think I'm the only one. You know, like I said, when my wife and I were struggling to start our family, we thought, oh, we're the only ones we know that, it, that this is happening to. But the thing that you, you know, what you're helping people like you that are, that are conf, you know, uh, just confident enough to share that story is it helps people. It helps people realize that they're not alone. And that's so powerful. So I know that you like to you, you you've used podcasts in the past to help spread this message, and maybe someone listening to the podcast today can benefit from this. So I just wanted to give you the floor to just if anything you wanted to share, uh, you know, regarding your daughter and, and your journey. Well, thanks, Coach Cove. Right? That's so so uh, much appreciative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's uh, you don't know until you start talking, you know. And that's why building relationships, I think, is so key in the world period. It's just like this whole cell phone era of you know always being being on. A screen it's not real like get get like if you're if you're at an airport or you're somewhere waiting 
spark up a conversation with somebody, say hi, introduce yourself. Instead of sitting in there by yourself, you know, having even at dinner with your own family, like just talk, talk. Like you never know. Sometimes you have no idea what's underneath until you start talking to some people. Uh, it, it might not get anywhere with some people, but uh, other people might. So it, you never know. Uh, but yeah, my wife and I, like you had mentioned, kind of had difficulty with our, with our first, uh, our first, uh, son, our first kid, which is our son, Blake, he's now five. Um, and, and that's way more common than people realize. And, you know, sure. it's, there's all sorts of different issues and reasons, you know, timing has a lot to do with obviously, um, stress does too, which is crazy. I mean, cycles, I mean, just everything, uh, thrown that. And then, uh, we ended up having our second one, which is our daughter, Jolie. And, um, that happened like, boom, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't our first one be that easy? Um, and, you know, we, we're um, about 11 months into uh, her life, which would have been um, November, December of uh, 2019. And uh, she she had not been feeling well for a couple of days or whatever. And my mom was in town, who is, uh, is, is a previous nurse practitioner, and she also raised six kids. So she has some, some knowledge of, uh, you know, the medical field and you know, kids in general. So she was in town and uh, finally it was New Year's day. I'm sorry, New Year's Eve. So it had been December 31st of 2019 and our daughter just still was not feeling well. Um, the previous night she didn't uh, sleep very well and she was fevering um, on and off, uh, trying to use Motrin and Tylenol and whatnot. And uh, finally, like we both worked on New Year's Eve, shocking. Uh, my wife went into the office and I went uh, to basketball practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time I was at College Park in the Woodlands coaching mm-hmm. uh um, the boys over there and we my mom's like uh, your daughter's not doing well you guys should probably think about taking her in so my mom and my wife Ashley took Jolie in to urgent care mm-hmm. um, that afternoon probably around two-ish um, and they, they took her in and they cleaned her out and they she was fevering high, high heart rate um, wasn't doing very well couldn't wasn't eating wasn't sleeping very well um, but they're like, yeah, you know, it's probably something viral. Just go ahead and take her on and off with uh, Motrin and Tylenol. And just, you know, just try to keep uh, keep it down and whatever. And if it do- it, things don't change for, for the better in the next day or two, just bring her back. Um, so we get back home and things just, it's just something is off mm-hmm. uh, with her. We eat New Year's Eve dinner. We actually were planning on having a party that night, but we ended up canceling that uh, way before, like that morning because we're like, hey, our daughter's not doing well. We don't want to spread it to any of the kids that sure. uh, are coming or whatever, or even uh, some of our friends. So we end up having dinner, and uh, my mom's like, Ashley, like, they're like, your daughter's not doing well. Like something, something's off with her. Like I don't feel good about this situation. You should really call your pediatrician, um, which I believe we not. We just went to urgent care. It's New Year's Eve, and yeah. you know, this is our second kid. You're you're just like, ah, uh, you know, just take them in. They'll they'll figure it out. Uh, because that's what the medical field's for. That's, you know, just like us as teachers and coaches, that's our job yeah. is to diagnose uh, students, you know, things, and then, you know, try to get a solution to it and get these kids on back on the right track. So she calls <laughs> our pediatricians like, uh, okay, yeah, I would not even take my cat to an urgent care, get your butts up to uh, children's hospital ASAP, yeah. let them check it out and kind of see what goes on. Keep me, keep me updated. I don't care. I know it's New Year's Eve, like keep me updated on what's going on. So we go around 8 30, 9 o'clock PM or so. Um, same stuff. She's fevering. I mean, she's going like between like a 102 and 104 fever. Wow. Um, she's not eating, not sleeping. It's, this is a kid you could literally put in a playpen and she could play by herself for hours. She hasn't been up, not been able to do this for a couple of days. 
um, we see a slight rash. I mean, we don't think anything of it. You know, our son has had rashes. And again, it's our second kid. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, like, just chalk it up and let's take care of this and let us know, uh, eliminate the test. So we get in there and they run a few tests here and there. Um, and like, they're, they just weren't taking us very serious. Uh, they're like, you know, it's New Year's Eve. I'm just, it's probably something viral, just like the urgent care said. Uh, didn't take any blood tests. Uh, and we, we were there till about 1230. I think we got discharged around 1230. And, you know, they're like, you know, she just needs to sleep, sleep it off and rest. And, you know, she, she'll be good to go. So they, uh, we did request an IV, which uh, she perked up for a little bit. Um, and then she also drank a little Pedialyte. And then um, they're like, okay, well, she ate something. She had a little bit of a wet diaper. We, we feel pretty good. You guys can get out of here. Um, they didn't really check much else before then. I think flu was negative. I think uh, UTI was negative, urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, like her heart rate, her, her blood pressure was not great. Um, and like I said, her fever went down because of the, the IV and her being able to do that. So they said, come back in a couple of days um, if you guys are worried about anything. Well, we get we get home. We're exhausted because mm -hmm. uh, the previous night, neither kid really slept well. We had to go to work. Uh, we're dealing with this all day. And I told Ashley, just go get some sleep. I'll hang out with uh, Jolie. I'll try to rock her to sleep. She just won't rock to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm I'm all over the place trying to figure out what's going on. And it's dark in the, in the living room because trying to get an 11-month-old um to sleep and uh laying down with her putting her in like uh one of those rocker things cradles um and like finally it's about four o'clock and i am just at my wits end i go i cannot do this any longer so i'm like ashley you got a few hours can you take over well i flip on the lights and she's broken out in this purple blue rash mm. and she is wow. just steaming up like yeah. burning yeah. up to a crisp and she's glazed over looks like she's half alive yeah and yeah. i'm like oh my god it, and she's like, yeah, I like, what, we, we got to get back to the hospital. So yeah. she actually called up to my mom and she, my mom's half asleep too. So she comes down she's like, let's just go. And I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I had a bad feeling. I didn't think it was very good because of what was going on, yeah. but uh, I, I could not keep my eyes awake. So I, I literally laid down, prayed before I went to sleep. I remember doing that uh, because I just had a weird feeling in my gut um, Ashley and my mom took a 30 minute drive and made it like 10 to 15 minutes because they were literally yeah, flying. Yeah. My mom was hanging on to her in uh, the back seat, no seatbelt, nothing, because she knew if she stopped breathing that she was gonna have to resuscitate and do CPR. Wow. wow. So yeah. they were rushed to the hospital and this is the same hospital we just left three, four hours ago. Um, wow. and they basically had the, Oh shit. Look when they walked in and they, took the kid in there uh jolie sorry they took jolie mm. in there and um like it was i don't know if they called it cold blue or whatever it was but i wasn't there but ashley my mom said it was like a whirlwind tornado that there was 15 20 people felt like we're in there there was wrappings all over the place they were trying to do whatever they could to get an iv in her because her uh her uh veins had collapsed and it, it just it was not good news and it was, they tried getting a hold of me and I had passed out. Um, and then I actually ended up going to my son's room because he woke up of course. So then finally they got a hold of me and I got there around six or 7am, I believe. And basically the doctor had to talk with us, uh, 
you guys did everything you were supposed to as parents. You took her in once, you took her back again twice to see what's going on. You got discharged and you still knew something was not right with your kids. So you came back and, you know, you guys did nothing wrong. We're doing the best we can, but it's, it's nobody's fault here. This kind of stuff, unfortunately, it just happens. Uh, and I'm just like, hold on, you're telling us our daughter's not going to survive. And she's like, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not just saying we, we're all doing the best we can right now. And I'm, I, 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 I can't listen to this right now. I don't need, I don't need this. Um, and I, I remember, and I'll kind of leave it at this and then I'll give my two cents after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, there was a book and I haven't finished this book. I've only read like a couple chapters, but I'm glad I read it. Uh, I believe his name is John O'Leary. Uh, he got burnt from head to toe as a kid and should have died too. He like, he should mm-hmm. be six feet under right now. Somehow he survived it. But uh, there was this, and I'm sorry if I get emotional here, but no, absolutely, coach. Um, but uh, there's this part in the book that his mom goes bedside, and I basically took the words from his mom and yeah. uh, looked looked Jolie in her blue eyes and said basically the same thing that uh, O'Leary's mom said to him is like, uh, Jolie, I can't do anything for you right now. Yeah, we'll be yeah. we'll be here for you. We'll support you, but you need to fight. Mm. fight like hell if you want to survive another day Mm. if you want to survive another year it's up to you to allow these doctors to do their work let them get the medicines into you and and it's we can't do anything but we'll be here to support you and um do whatever we can to to help you out um so that's kind of where it was and then eventually we we ended up getting up to uh the icu at that hospital and then that night we got transferred down to the medical center in downtown houston and we that started our 85 day stay in um, wow, the yeah. Texas Children's yeah. Hospital. And thank God for the intensive care unit in downtown mm-hmm. with all their specialists, because if it wasn't for them, she would not have survived what she did. And the diagnosis was technically meningitis. But then because mm. it was un- undiagnosed and it was caught off the radar and how that happens in the medical field when that's your job, I won't say anything it just is what it is at the end of the day, you know, but uh, that's why it comes down to us as parents. We know our kids the best. We have to be advocates and keep pushing, even though if we sound crazy, um, even if it's for our parents or our, like your brother situation, which yeah. I don't know if My, I, I can share that, that when you finish. Yeah. I just, I, um, but well. uh, just to keep pushing because we know that these people don't, they look at us as an, another number. They don't look at us as our specific individual person. It's, it's up to us to really truly let them know, you know, have you done this? Have you done that? And again, did we know all that stuff back then? Probably not. But at the end of the day, you have to push as parents or advocates of the family to make sure um, that you're, you're getting the best care possible because I I feel like they dropped the ball a little bit, Um, but you know what, they stepped up and after things happened, our daughter somehow miraculously survived because I mean, I believe I I can't remember what, what it goes by, but they go and you go into shock, then you go into sepsis shock, then you go to um, sepsis, and then you go to multi-organ dysfunction syndrome. And when I've heard that if you, and I didn't know any of this until months into it, uh, once you get into MODS, which is multi-organ dysfunction syndrome, basically you're prepping for a funeral. And they said that that's the point that she, the only three organs working were her brain, her heart, and her lungs. Wow. They took her lungs off and used the intubation for about three, four weeks. Um, so basically her brain and her heart were the only two organs working for about three, four weeks, just so her body could heal. Um, and she's still got some issues to this day, but it just like people go through shit and yep. we're one of the lucky ones that were able to take her home because when we were in that, uh, 
that uh, intensive care unit down downtown. I can't tell you how many people. Yeah. Walked out without their kid. No doubt, Coach. So, just a blessing that she's still here today, and you know, Amen. we're just looking to try to spread uh, meningitis awareness and yeah. uh, just in just be advocates for your own family members. And you know no, that first first uh, yeah, experience. No, no doubt, Coach. And just a couple things that I remember from listening to your other podcast where you shared your your full unabridged story. I mean, right. When you you talk about looking into her blue eyes, man, and now as a, now that I'm a dad, Bo's just got these big old eyes, and I could only imagine <laughs> seeing him so sick and just looking into his eyes like that, man. That, that like help me, me, dad. That got me, yeah, exactly. Help me, dad. You know, and as you feel so powerless, I'm sure you did. But outside of that, the thing I love about what, how you and your wife handled it is, you know, you're just kind of like positivity only. Like, right, you know, this is a positive zone. Like yeah. all only things that can yep. help our situation. I love how you turned into Club Ricker and you had dance parties going on. That was hilarious. I love they loved you, our room. And I know you, you, we don't have time for you to go through all these stories, but I mean, I love how you, you one day just to lighten the mood, you dressed up, you got the nurses to give you like doctor's gear. I have the you initials, Kobo, uh, DR. <laughs> yep. And, yep. DR. And you, you read out the whole prognosis whenever the, you know, the, the uh, attending came in right. there. And I just, you guys and your whole family, your whole, your whole family unit, man, came together. And that's how I felt with my brother. I'm so right. happy. My brother used to live in Princeton, Texas, kind of in because his wife's family's from Oklahoma. So okay. at first they okay. kind of settled in between Houston and Oklahoma, in between both families. But I'm so glad he ended up moving to Kiefer, Oklahoma, where his wife's family is because or um Sepulpa, Oklahoma, excuse me, where his wife's family is because I don't, he had a similar thing where I don't know, I don't know if it's ever completely diagnosed, whether it's myocarditis or the right. uh, heart, or like what JJ Watt just had, you know, kind of like, it really, it doesn't rhythm. matter at the end of the day. Yeah, the, what matters is that they figure out what is going on so they can fix the situation. And same thing where he just was not feeling well. We knew he right. wasn't feeling well and take him up there, do a couple tests, send him home a right. couple times, send him home, send him home. And just taking like Tylenol and stuff. And I'm like, man, there, there's something wrong with him. There's Tylenol something off. Not yeah. going to, like keep testing, keep testing. And I, 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 I could really relate. And I, I, I thought I was going to lose my brother, man. Cause he just was, he was getting to the point where he, his father-in-law had to carry him back to the emergency room it's that just... last time. I mean, he just was completely couldn't breathe. I talked to him on the phone. He just couldn't breathe. And uh, man, so and you I feel just, helpless. You feel, you just feel helpless. completely helpless, man. And so I'm so glad that you're being an advocate and, you know, and, and it goes both ways. I mean, you know, just, just push, keep pushing, to get answer to get answers and if they don't have an answer tell them to go to the next level yeah well coach i'm glad to hear that your story had a happy ending you know and she made it and uh you know just thank you for sharing that and i, I hope that some of our listeners well, I appreciate you allowing me to use this platform I mean, no doubt. just you do not have to do that so thank you very much yeah yeah no doubt about it coach but let's let's go back to you know you talked about uh it was at oshkosh where you met your wife but that's also where you had a really cool basketball experience and I, I read some of the articles you shared with me and yeah, I sent some links. I don't know if you had time. Yeah, I read, read I read those, some but... of them. So it was so cool that, you know, Steve Randall was the coach there at Oshkosh West. And you talked about, he went in for routine angioplasty and a couple yes. of days later he, he passed away. So again, just these sudden illnesses can just really strike at any moment. No, no warning, but right. his son at the funeral who was already kind of embarking on a career down the collegiate route. It's how I, how I read it. Big but, time guy. Yes. Yep. He, he heard one of the players, talk about and this was a player that was maybe that 13th 14th 15th man that you yes were yes and he wasn't a great player on the court or anything but he just talked about how coach made me feel like i was the most important thing in the world and you know he gave me that confidence and so when the son heard that story about his dad he realized that's how he made me feel and i love the quote where it's like oh if my dad had been a lawyer i would have been a lawyer 
You know, if right. my dad would have been a doctor, I would have been a doctor. But right. Since my dad was a coach. I became a coach. And he said, he went, he went and called his head coach at the college and said, I'm sorry, I have to do this. I'm leaving. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the high school, took a big pay cut, but eventually you got to, you got to go on to the staff. So just share that whole experience. You want some, you got some hardware. <laughs> you were part of a lot of success there. So what, what was that experience like for you at Oshkosh West? I mean, it, I wish I took it a little bit more serious at the time, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're a college student and, you know, your priorities are different, but I mean, I did pursue the, uh, to get on that staff and it worked out, but, uh, like just real quick, uh, my first experience with Steve Randall, um, one of the guys I lived with in the dorms played for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he got me connected and I reached out to him and he, they allow volunteer assistant coaches in, in Wisconsin. So, uh, unlike te- Texas does not allow that, um, you have to actually be a staff member in, um, on campus or in the district. So they allow it and they're all about like, you know, yeah, let these kids give back and everything. And I, that's what I wanted to do was coach. So I was like, what better than to get my feet wet right away in high school. So I went up to the gym and it was, it was like an open gym. So it was before season. So it might've been September or October, but either way he's uh, he's in there um, with uh, one of his grandbabies uh, because one of his uh, daughters had already uh, had one or two kids and she was uh she was special needs, which really isn't that big of a deal, but um, he just never treated anybody differently. But he, he goes to me, he goes, David, just, just give me, give me one minute. I got to cherish these moments that I have with these grandbabies because before I know it, they're going to grow up and just be too old. And he's just dragging her with a towel all yeah, over the basketball yeah. court and back and forth, just in loving life and enjoying yeah. it with other people. And he just said, coach, just give me one minute to wrap this up with her and, you, you will have my undivided attention. Wow. And yeah. that was the first, that, that was my first experience with this guy. It's just, he was all about family and people first. And he was authentic. He was just authentic. Um, and that was my blessing to, to have met that guy. So I worked with him for a year. Um, they had a hell of a team. I think they had four guys over six, seven or taller in their, wow. in their starting lineup. Um, I don't know if they went 18 and two or something like that, but I think, I believe they won district. Uh, their conference, and then they end up losing like the round right before state tournament. Uh, and then later on that uh, following year, like I said, he went into angioplasty and they nicked an artery, but no idea that they did. Oh, wow. And then he, uh, he ended up passing away a few, few days later. It was in October. Yeah. Because he was watching playoff baseball. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then um, we went to the funeral and I mean, it was standing room only. I mean, this yeah. place was huge yeah. too. It was a big, big church and i mean the lines went blocks and the amount of player previous players current players families i mean it was it was a very touching moment for me to be like wow this is a high school pe teacher and a high school basketball coach and this guy made this big of an impact in the community mm-hmm. it was like at that moment it's like why would i want to do anything else i mean right. that and i'd already knew i wanted to move into that but uh that that just solidified my decision uh, and then his son ended up taking over the next three years. And I, I believe he went like 71 and three, the next three years and won back-to-back state championships um, in Madison. And it was like to, to be able to learn from those guys and, and, you know, be with those guys and be along for the ride and kind of just, I like, they always called me coach Dave. They would call me coach Dave. Yeah. Um, and uh, those guys still like, if I'm ever in the Oshkosh area, whether it's visiting friends or whatever, be, well, what's up coach? I'm like, dude, you're two years younger than me. You can just say yeah. hi, Dave. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they'll, they'll be like, Hey, there's coach Dave. I'm like, Hey guys, what's up? 
but uh and then was, you said you had a, you had a funny story the first time you met uh steve right? yeah steve, so uh, or lance, so we're in the, lance the son it's lance yeah, yeah so we're in the auditorium and i don't know why i'm thinking i assume people i always i just assumed somebody had already told them who i was because i was like basically the scout guy i would they, they allowed you to film other teams you could video record uh, other games and stuff so or i would take notes or i would go pick it up um Travis Diener um, and Drake Diener, their dads uh, were big time coaches at Fond du Lac and Cedarburg and a couple other places around the state. Uh, so I would go to their houses and pick up like notes on teams we're playing in the playoffs or this or that. Um, so I, I don't know. I just assumed he knew who I was. So we're, we're standing in the hallway waiting to go in and we're talking. I'm just standing there and he's like, and who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, and I, it's, that's exactly what I did though. I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he goes, who the hell are you? And I'm like, oh, I, 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 uh, who are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm a student <laughs> at UW Oshkosh and your dad had me as an assistant coach. Uh, I was just a volunteer. I helped out with the freshman team and scouting yeah. for varsity games. And I'm, I'm going into education because awesome. Nice to meet you. I'm Lance Randall. I go, I know. And, he, and he's like, and what's your name again? And then that's where it, it all, love but it, like I it, was, <laughs> you know, it's one of those dumb moments that you're like, oh, you know who I am, right? But like, why would he know who I was? Sure, sure. Like it's sure, not like sure. somebody would be like, hey, that guy right there, he's uh, he's on a coaching staff too and stuff. Um, but uh, I actually just texted him last week because he he's a coach over in the Tampa area for St. Leo's Division Two boys, um, and hit him up. I was like, hey, I hope everything is going well because of that hurricane that just went through. And he said they're they're doing all right. And he said thanks. Nice. So. I still keep that connection open and I I've actually connected with him for a couple camps to, to work those just to keep that connection open. So he's a great dude. Yeah, no, I love to hear that coach. And so currently, you know, I knew you when you were in Texas, but we talked about, you know, your wife got a great job opportunity. So now you're in the, uh, the, the volunteer state. Yeah, that is, is that, correct. Tennessee? Yeah. The volunteer state. All right. So you're, you're in Tennessee and you know, I, I think for coaches listening, I would like to know your perspective on you are a head coach you know, here at all at Aldine High School, you know, in Houston and, you know, playing 6A basketball and obviously kind of a, a late move coming to a brand new state where, you know, no one, you, you, you know, there wasn't, I'm sure there was very little opportunity to become a head coach, which I, I believe, you know, was your, 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 your desire was to continue being a head coach, but for coaches listening that may be in a similar situation where life causes them to move to a new place, what advice would you give? to a coach going through that, you know, going from head coach or leading their program to maybe I wouldn't call it taking a step back, but you know, in, in title, at least, you know, going to an assistant position, what advice would you give for a coach who maybe has gone through that or is about to go through that experience? Uh, coach Coble, I mean, you're spot on about everything right there. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I got the taste of being a head coach and I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved I it. I could tell you loved the coach. You I mean, really, it was yeah. just so much fun. Like in the, in yeah. like, I liked everything about it of, the logistical, like secretarial stuff, administrative stuff to, you know, going to the Tuesday and Fridays and coaching those nights. And then even the weekend tournaments, I mean, everything about it's just a blast. I, I just love it all. It's a challenge. You go through adversity and that stuff, but that's why I got into it. Uh, yeah. I, I was looking at at least probably being at Aldi for another year, maybe two years, just depending. I mean, who knows? It would have been 10 mm -hmm. years, but I was planning on about a t uh, three to five year stint. That was my goal. Mm -hmm. um, so I was probably going to start looking to go somewhere else. Eventually I was hoping to groom somebody to take over the program, um, which didn't, didn't happen. But uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, life happens. You just kind of roll with it. Um, it was very bittersweet. I did not want to leave. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just family first. And sure. Um, 
but uh, I, I was really pursuing trying to get a head coaching job. And, you know, I, I talked to so many different people about this. I even talked to you a little bit about this. And uh, everybody kept saying, you know, if you can find a head coaching job, but at the same time, it's going to be transition, like step, stepping down, which you, you could call it that if you want to. Mm-hmm. But uh, finding um, an assistant job might be the ideal situation because you'd have more time for your family, more time for the move, adjusting, mm-hmm. learn the ropes of what's going on and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I actually took my name out of two positions. It would have been like a 60 to 90 minute commute one way right, right. Um, into a small Tennessee town. Uh, I wanted to really bad to pursue those, but I took my name out of it and I decided to go with a boys program, kind of like I did four years ago with uh, college park and just, uh, I was kind of picky on it. There's a t- couple opportunities and I was just like, I think this is the right fit. After my conversation with Co- coach Rutland, I, he was just talking about how like, this is for the kids. It's all about the kids. And he has the same philosophy. <clears throat> he doesn't like to, turn kids away obviously if you have 60 kids you have to pick the ones that you want to keep but generally if he's got 18 kids he's going to keep 18 kids 20 kids on varsity and try to make it work if they're good kids and they need us and that kind of stuff he's not going to turn them away and really values the the whole sport thing and understanding that it's a community it's a it's part of a family It, it it could help these kids between being on the streets after high school to pursuing other things in the future so uh, he really sold it to me. And so far it's been, I mean, it's been fantastic. The only thing, this is the most frustrating thing is I loved, loved having the athletic period, loved having yeah. coach basketball yeah. every single day in Texas. I mean, that was just a blessing and you don't know what you got until it's gone. And now, um, and again, I'm a teacher first. I get that. That's my salary, but I love coaching and that's why I'm in the education field. And we do not get practice in the middle of the day. Like, Texas does, but it's school to school, district to district. So if I go to somewhere else in the future, or we could even propose a plan that would work on this campus. But right now they have a weightlifting period, but neither one of us is part of it. Um, so we basically have before or after school practice. That's, that's all we get right now. Um, no, no in-school practice, which that was, that was tough to swallow because right. I had that at Aldine. I had it at college park and that was one of the first questions I asked in the interview. So when's the athletic period? And they're like, uh, you mean weightlifting? I'm like, sure. And they're like, oh, uh, that's Coach Newman. He he lifts the boys. I'm like, hold on. So I'm going to be teaching math every course, like every every class. They're like, yeah, you don't, you're not, you don't have an athletic period. You can coach them before or after. I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> so that was, that was quite right. the adjustment. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, I'm able to coach. Uh, and I took the, again, I swallowed another pill, uh, bitter, bitter pill to understand, you know, I got to look at this as a blessing because if it was me, I would be head coach right now, but this is what an opportunity to step back, learn from somebody else, mm-hmm. really truly perfect my craft as well as I can. So the next time I do get that opportunity, I'm even more readily prepared than I was in the past and take everything that I'm learning now. And previously re- reflect on that. It just, you know, hit it off with a bang in the future opportunities that I will do. And coach, you know, I, I know you love Aldi in high school like I did, but I mean, another stop that you, that, you know, that I wasn't with you for this. So I don't know as much about it, but you were at the Woodlands College Park High School uh, for a period. And I think the thing that really interests me is you said that, you know, you had a little bit of a brush with fame, I guess you could call it, with Quentin Grimes, you know, the, the, the Houston Cougars stand out. That's really be, became a New first York round Knicks. draft pick for the Knicks and he's <laughs> playing well. I mean, so I'm just, I always like to ask this whenever someone's coached someone who's gone on to be a professional you know, our big time college star. What, what was Quentin Grimes like as a high school student? 
So like I wasn't able to, uh, so I came in the year after he graduated. Oh, so I, I didn't, okay. Okay. I didn't personally like get to coach him or anything, but like, I can't tell you how many times the coaching staff would just talk and sing his praises and everything. And then I think I had two encounters with him. Like if we walked on the street, he would have no idea who I was, but um, just, just a stand up good dude. Like took his time, like Clifton McNeely, who's going to be a future hall of fame basketball coach in the state of Texas. I mean, that guy is a hell of a coach. I think he's almost 62 or something, mm. um, but he just keeps grinding. I mean, that dude just keeps getting those kids to play ball. And he's adapted his coaching methods through his, 30 years of coaching uh, high school basketball there. Um, but like he came in and introduced Quentin to me because he was putting up shots in the gym and uh, he's like, Hey, Hey coach. Hey, yeah. Like, very nice to meet you. Uh, how's everything going? Just a great dude. Um, and one of the cool things, small stories that probably not a lot of people know, he got recruited by these prep schools around the country, right? Like one specifically in Kansas and um his dad in Clifton McNeely would talk all the time. He's like, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this? Uh, they're, they're recruiting. And McNeely's like, do what's best for your son. Like, I'm not going to hold you back. If you think this is an opportunity, I go, you know, you know what you're going to get from me. You're going to get a great education at this school. You're going to, your son is to be held accountable. He's going to improve as a basketball player. We're going to get him to the best university we can possibly get him to. Um, but if you really true that go, ch- go check out Kansas and see what they got for him and see what they're going to do for him. Um, and, you know, figure it out. And he decided to stay and play all four years at uh, College Park. I don't know if that was sophomore, junior year. I, I don't know. But yeah. that was one of the cool uh, stories I heard about Quentin. And then he went to Kansas and wasn't the best fit. But then he went to Houston and just thrived. Absolutely. Coach Sampson just really got the most out of him. And he was part of such a great yes. team. But, you know, I, and I always love asking that. And so far, it's like it's 100%. The ones that I know sometimes maybe people just get a perception that the star player, you know, is spoiled or has a bad attitude. But what I've seen so many times, the ones that make it to that professional level, I always hear Coach Kobo, not only were they a great athlete, they were a great person. They were a great yes. teammate. I mean, just hear that over and over and you over. You almost have so, to be, though. I yeah. Mean, if you think about it. Yeah, to make it to that level. So, I mean, I just think for kids listening, if any kids listen to this, just remember that. You know, don't, don't, don't allow yourself package. on a different path. Right. I mean, the, the ones that the, the real ones are great kids, you know, so just please, you know, strive, strive to do that as well. And then, you know, speaking about some of the, I talked about like a spoiled player or a bad attitude and that, <laughs> you know, I, I think athletics is beautiful. I really do. And, and I, I hope that parents also listen to this podcast. And sometimes I see stories of, you know, like we talked about maybe a parent, you know, confronting a coach about playing time or this, that, and the other, or a parent I've seen gosh, stories of parents physically assaulting referees, which I think is just so incredibly crazy. But, I can't believe it gets to that low level. Yeah. And I know it does. It just, yeah. it's tough and, to see. And so I'm just want to leave this kind of open-ended for you. I, you know, is there something that you've seen? that's an issue with parents, like whether it's the behavior in the stands or like I said, confronting a coach about playing time or if, is there an issue you've seen? And then secondly, what advice would you give to a parent? Cause I think sometimes when parents do these actions, it's like you said, they love their kids. That's the heart of it. So they, they think that they're helping their kid when I think a lot of times those kinds of actions actually hurt the kid's experience. So my question is, have you seen anything that, that you're seeing kind of an issue? Um, kind of like coach Danzer pointed out one of the things she observed, but, and then secondly, what advice would you give the parents to give their kids the best possible athletic experience? I mean, I haven't seen anything out of the ordinary. Um, one of the things is just the lack of knowledge by parents sometimes. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of leads to it or preparation for parents. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think a majority of the ones I listen to, they all do um, 
they all do parent meetings at the beginning. And I believe it was uh, Coach Dixon that you, uh, that was on that said yep. that she had previous parents on there. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, just I mean, the only thing like, just in, it's easier said than done. But uh, let kids be kids. Let the kids right. be kids. Let the like, kids are not gonna. It, they're not gonna break. They're gonna. They're gonna bend and be malleable and overcome stuff. You gotta let your kids hurt sometimes, right? Uh, they need to overcome adversity themselves and this and that with playing time. Let, let the kids figure that out with their coaches. If you need to intervene eventually, yes, that's fine. But uh, let the kids be kids, let them learn uh, fall uh, and, and, you know, they'll bounce back up. They'll bounce back up eventually. And like, let the referees ref. Um, and one of the things I can't remember, I think it might've been coach Mac. Um, coach Mac is uh he does um, daily newsletters on emails. You, you might, I think he's up from out of Australia and then he, okay. he's he got a huge Twitter following. Um, I, I swear it was from him. It might've been somebody else, uh, but he's, he, he's like, I always talk to my players before the game um, or talk, tell, talk, talk to parents at the parents meeting um, each game. Could you, could you allow, do you think the referee is going to make some bad calls? Absolutely. Do you think there's going to be about 10? Okay. So let him make 10 bad calls. It's going to go in our favor and against our favor. Just let those be bad calls. And if it seems like it's lopsided, it is, it is what it is. It's just what you're going to do is just piss the ref off even more. And they're going to want to uh, like continue to make those bad calls and let the coach talk with the referee about it. That's their job to figure out and understand. And parents just be fans, just parents be fans of your own child. Don't, don't uh, be, be fans of the team, but if you're going to criticize, criticize your own kid. Look in the mirror first and criticize yourself and your kid first and be fans. You don't, you're not coaching. You're not refereeing. You're not playing. Just cheer your kid on and be an advocate and, and do your thing. And just, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I do during um, parent meetings is, you know, yeah. really nail that down and have, it's an open door policy. Let's talk about stuff, but yeah. not, not before or after games, make sure we wait about 24 hours and we, we can sit down and figure out what we need to do. Yeah, I remember as uh, Carmen Solis Martinez in one of our early episodes, head volleyball of Pasadena, she said something that I really liked. It's something along the lines of, you know, there's four roles in every athletic mm-hmm. player, coach, official, and fan. Correct. <laughs> so do your role, which is just do your it's role. Support. It's just supporting the kids. And I've, I've, I've witnessed what you've said about, I've seen parents that yell out, like if they yell out to someone on the other team, they don't want it, you know, like when they're handling the ball take it from him. They don't want it. I'm just like, wow, that's somebody's kid that you're screaming about. I mean, it's just blows my mind, man. But no, I totally, totally agree with you there, coach. And that that's great stuff. Now, as far as some of your uh, favorite, or let's let's just go a couple fun stories here. You played against Maurice Boo Wade in AAU in sixth grade. He ended up going on to Wisconsin. Big, tall dude. He was like six, two when we played him, I think. Yeah. And then when you were assistant at Oshkosh West, you played against Pete and Nankaville. Yeah. Keaton Nankaville. He was, uh, so we had we had Andy Polka, and I think this is our first. So this is the first state championship. Um, Keaton Ankeville was supposedly the best player in the state. He went to Madison Memorial in the mm-hmm. Madison area, which is a private school. Which I think Oshkosh West was the first non-Milwaukee or Madison school to win a state championship. Very cool. In almost twenty years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Keaton Ankeville. He was a. He ended up playing at Wisconsin. Polka played at Loyola Chicago, I believe. Uh, and then, like I said, Boo Boo didn't. Unfortunately, he had some personal matters going on, but he ended up playing at Wisconsin. But that dude was a beast. He went to, I think it was Milwaukee Vincent High School, um, which was another powerhouse. 
Yeah. And then, and then finally you currently coach of Tony Rutland, who was a standout athlete at Bethel high school and with Alan Iverson. Yes. I was like, wow. And then he went to Wake Forest and played of Tim Duncan. So I mean, the, the star power does not get any, any brighter than that coach. So. No. No, that, not that, at all. That, very, very cool. As far as some of your favorite teams, we always like to do that. I, I'm, I'm rocking your Bucks jersey here. You know, yeah. Who, which, uh, who, who's uh, jersey? Sydney Moncrief. Nice, Sid. Yeah, yep. Sydney Moncrief. That man. takes it back, man. That takes it back. That's one of like I always love like when Jordan talks about guys that were underrated. Yes, Moncrief was somebody that he listed. Dude. He said he knew every time he came into the gym against Milwaukee, Moncrief yes. was gonna give him a tough time. So yes, like, I always loved hearing that. Um. I think Mitch Richmond was another one that he kind of know. Like that's another mm. guy for Sacramento. I, I love the these teams. Or I love these players like Moncrief in Milwaukee, Mitch Richmond, Sacramento that are like superstars that played on bad teams at the time. I know struggling teams that struggle. Like I have so much respect for, for players that don't just leave bad teams. I, I cannot agree with you more. Yeah. But as far as some of your favorite teams, coach, of course, like any good Wisconsin boy, you're a Packers fan. Yep. Uh, you're wearing the Packers uh, beanie <laughs> right now. You're a Bucks fan. Of course, you're a brew crew fan. You like the Badgers at UW. Uh, you like the Marquette Warriors out there in Milwaukee. And then now, now the Golden I, Eagles. I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as big a fan of this one, but you're a Notre Dame fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. That's a, that's very controversial. But. Yeah, no, great, great, obviously great school, great program. But as a Michigan fan, kind of a little bit of a, a rivalry. Uh, yeah, big blue. And then you also follow UW-Milwaukee and UW-Green Bay. Yeah, some of the other side schools. Yep. UW Oshkosh and then your high schools of course that you coach through and then you generally follow Houston teams from since you made you've really made a life down here for, for quite a while years. and uh crazy enough you never really got into watching too much soccer but you really do get in the world cup as do I yeah I mean it's every four years well technically two years if you enjoy if you include the girls yep and then I love you talk about the Milwaukee wave indoor soccer and then now you're a Nashville Sounds fan since yes. they're a triple a, Bre a Brewers triple a affiliate so I'm with you man I'm such a big fan of I don't want to call them minor league, but just, you know, non it's fun, though. major. Yeah. Like I go to Houston dash women's yes. soccer games. And I, I loved when we had, you know, uh, with the roughnecks, you know, uh, <laughs> the roughnecks, XFL, I was right. going to those. That's and so right. I, I, I'm a big fan of those as well. All right, coach. So it's time. I know uh -oh. you, you're a fan of the show, so you know about start bench cut. So I'm going to read the ad promo here and give you a little time. Go to ahead. Coach. But start bench cut as always is brought to us by our good friends at the MVP marketing group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. If you go to their website, you'll see a testimonial from hall of famer Denton Ryan, uh, head football coach. And now the AD at Denton ISD, Joey Florence. He's a customer. Other clients include Salina Crowley Mesquite, but basically what Mike Vogler, who's a good friend of mine does a one way to generate revenue is by finding sponsors, right? Not nickeling and diming, getting the big boys that have money for marketing and getting them to spend on your program. That's what Mike does. He can go out there, create a great plan for you, go contact those businesses and get them to sponsor your team. So if that is at all interest to you, just give him a contact. It's in the show notes, all of his contact information. Tell him Coach Kobo sent you and he'll give you a team player podcast discount. So definitely check that out, coaches. All right, here we go. Let's start with UW, University of Wisconsin-Madison, Badgers, Mount Rushmore edition. So that's your top four. Give me your four greatest athletes of all time. There's so many. I was listing a couple in my head, you know, also Russell Wilson, JJ Watt. I mean, there's uh, so many, so many, you know, Sam Decker played here in Houston and Kaminsky was with them. I mean, I, right. I'm a big Michael Finley guy from, you yes. know, when he came. so there's so many, but I'm going to, this is your show. You tell me who, who would, if your personal Dave Rickards, all time uh, Badger Mount Rushmore. Man, so, so that only dates back to probably the '90s for me. I mean, I know there's pre-'90s stuff, sure, but unfortunately, sure. I just, I can't. I, I can only do what I know from back to like the early '90s, mid '90s to, to present. Uh, so I gotta ask, 
am I able to use coaches? Yes, absolutely. And you, that's not a first. There, I forget which episode, but somebody because I thought I heard that, but yes. at the same time, it's like ah, you know. So I have to, I have to put Barry Alvarez on because absolutely. Barry start get got that football program back to where it needs to, and then he became the athletic director, absolutely, which thrived with all the uh, sports. Uh, so I, I've got to put Barry on there. I and love that no, move, Coach. Great move. No love it. Um, and you know the unfortunate thing is. I, I only basically followed the boys basketball and the football team. Their hockey team was really good. And I couldn't even yeah. name one player, sure. even their sure. volleyball teams, boys and girls, volleyball teams really good. But again, I, I couldn't even name sure. any of their players. Um, even their girls basketball team was solid, but again, it's going to be between football and uh, basketball. Um, so going with football again, I, I have to put Ron Dane down. I love it. Oh, Ron. I love Ron Dane. And yeah. Cool. Cool story. So he broke that record against Iowa at Camp Randall. I was uh, lucky enough to one of my buddies, Ryan Mills, his dad usually got season tickets. So he had four tickets. His dad couldn't make it. So he gave them to my buddy, Ryan and my dad, Ryan and my younger brother, Dan all went to that game back. I think it was 96 or 97 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, when he broke the record. And uh, we got to be at Camp Randall as he busted out. I think it was like a 17 yard run like that. You could just see the, the, the number of yards needed to uh, surpass yeah. uh, Ricky Williams. And uh, it just, uh, it just kept coming down, down, down. Yeah, and yeah. actually, uh, well, was it Ricky Williams or was somebody else? I think Ricky, Will- who was it before Dane? Was it Williams or no? I don't know. I now I'm questioning myself. I don't know <sighs> coach, but I, that's a pretty good guess from that time. Okay. I, th- sure. I thought it was Williams. And then now somebody else, uh surpassed him which is crazy because they're allowing bowl statistics now Mm, and ron dane has more if you use bowl but they that's post 2002 they use bowl games they didn't before though so that's weird to me (laughs) but uh so barry alvarez i have a ron dane jersey i i i do that's my wisconsin he was so much fun to watch i got a 30 and he yeah he played for all four years he played all four years and then i knew he wasn't gonna be anything big in the nfl he just he wasn't throwback style man just not a style it's college Yep. Wisconsin style. That was Big Wisconsin 10. style, no doubt. Um, so then, gosh, like now I got to go basketball route. So Dick Bennett got there in the late 90s. He actually Love made it. it to a Final Four with a bunch of uh, local kids from Wisconsin. But before Dick Bennett got there, they were halfway decent because of this individual that was a freak athlete, one of the best players ever to come through there. And I got to go Michael Finley. Finley, love it, yeah, love it, I love it, to. love it. And I, I, I went to so many games at uh, the Bradley Center in Milwaukee because mm-hmm. I would always go to the Marquette, Wisconsin game whenever it was down there. So we'd always uh, go down and watch those. And I always watched it was Rashard Griffith, which is what was a center, and then Michael mm-hmm. Finley was the uh, just stud forward. And then he he had a good career in the NBA too. Um, and coach, a quick thing on Dick Bennett. And a lot of people that know me when I was an assistant at Ridgepoint, I know coach Cole, you know, listens to this show all the time. And when I was an assistant, I took my basketball coaching very seriously, even though I was a football coach first. I love that. That's right. I forgot that you, yeah. you were a big and, time basketball yep. coach. And Dick Bennett was actually who I modeled my philosophy after, because if I remember correctly, he, he played a blocker mover style of offense, yes. which I love motion that, that offense. Was, that made sense to me. I'm a football guy. I don't have time to install these plays. No, so I just love just like rules. Give them rules. It makes sense to me. And I love movement. So we installed blocker mover. And then he, he was famous for that pack line defense that his son yes. still runs so well at Virginia. So yeah, Tony, that's yeah. always what I did. I would press after made baskets. Yes. But once, if, if you could break our press, 
we sank back deep into a, into a pack line and we made you earn every possession. It was simple. So, yeah, that's how that's how I like to do it. But no, love that call with Dick Bennett for sure. So you you got one spot left, Coach. Who's yeah, so like I said, I, I wanted to go with Dick Bennett. Uh, went with Finley right before him, uh, and then I, I got to go with Bo Ryan. Bo I, Ryan, I Bo he, Ryan, because he just solidified. Because Dick Bennett started it, and then Bo solidified it, and now guard is continuing it. So I got to go with Barry, Dane, Finley, and and Ryan. I, I think. And it sucks because, I mean, like you said, Russell Wilson, J.J. Watt. Yeah. You've got uh, even Bronson Keenig uh, with uh, yeah. Frank the Tank and uh, Sam Decker. I mean, yep, those guys yep. got all the way to the final game. Yeah, no doubt, so, man. So many great choices. I love I love that name. I was, my son's name is Bo. Just like it's Dio, a great just name. Dio, just like Bo Ryan. So I, I love them. Bo Schembechler, obviously, you know, famous Michigan right. section there. But uh, I like the Bo Ryan, too. I always respected him as a coach. So <laughs> now, okay, you're a basketball coach. If I, and now we're moving outside of Wisconsin. So we're talking the best players in the world, just anybody that, at any level at their prime, who would you pick for your starting five coach? If, if you could have your dream starting five, who would they be? Like, that's not easy. Kobo. That's, oh, I know. I, they, I these mean, aren't easy. The, the first, the first two are no brainers. I mean, you okay. can't, you can't go wrong with MJ and Kobe. I love it. I mean, love it. Okay. You can't, like the, Those are easily the number one and two best players in the world ever. So you can't go wrong with those two guys. Um, so the so I was. So are you going to go with a traditional point guard, or are those going to be your two? I guards? will be what going with a traditional point guard. Okay. I think. Yeah. Um, so then, I somebody I, I don't know where I read this or saw this, but everybody always like his Wilt was so good, Kareem was so good, but I heard the toughest son of a bitch on defense, and he's got eleven <laughs> rings. And oh, he just yeah, passed away, go. Bill Russell. I love. Oh, I love it. Great. I mean. And he's a traditional big guy. He, he's going to do your thing and just, uh, and he's a winner. He's all about um, winning. No doubt. Absolutely. Wilt is one too. So, yeah. Uh, so, so that'd be the first three. And then the unsung hero um, at San Antonio Spurs that loves the bank shot, which is one of my favorite shots of the game. Uh, Tim Duncan. Um, Timmy Duncan at the four. I like it. Okay. Tim Duncan. Yeah. So then you, you got four there and I was like, damn. Like, Who's your point guard? I got to have a point guard and like, like I was debating between like chef Curry. And then I was like, mm. no, like this, this day and age, this game is so different than what it used to you be. You want These a floor general. Not, you want a like, traditional point. You guard, want somebody that's going to take can score, but also dish the ball up. Then I was like, man, Allen Iverson would be, but he's more of a shooting scoring threat. Mm -hmm. We don't need that. So then, I mean, the eighties, I mean, the greatest show on earth, you got to go with magic Johnson. Oh, wow, man. You got a big team, coach. You got a lot of size and length. I, I like know. That. Yeah. Defense and defense and rebounded. So, yeah, those would be, I think, it, like, don't get me wrong. I like LeBron. Uh, he's just not my boy. He's not my boy. MJ and Kobe are. Sure. So you got Magic at the point guard and you, you're two and you're three. You got Kobe and Michael Jordan yep. at the power forward. You got Timmy Duncan and you got Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Five. So, man, what a, what a squad. That'd be a pleasure to coach that team. Wouldn't coach that Russell. be fun? <laughs> Last one here. Let's end up a cheesehead start bench. Oh, jeez. So start one, bench one, cut one. I'm doing your three great – because you, you had that many quarterbacks. I remember, you know, Don, Don Majkowski was there for a little bit. Magic but he's not gonna be, he ain't going to be in this. So the Magic Man's not going to be in this one. Let's go Brett Favre, Bart Starr. And I understand it's before our time, but obviously both, my dad's a Packers fan, so I'm yep. sure your dad is too. Obviously, they talk about Bart Starr all the time. So Brett Favre, Bart Starr, and then your guy, Aaron Rodgers. Start one, bench one, cut one. So, like, I feel like the game has babied up big time. Like, it's so much easier to play now for offense. Mm. Uh, and 
it was it was tough as hell back in the 50s and 60s to play in like the dude won five NFL championships, only two Super Bowls, but he won five right. world championships. So I, I've got to give hats off to to Bart Starr. I, I would start his ass. Okay. But if 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 it if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, then I've got uh, the guy coming off the bench to uh to switch that too. But I've got to go Bart, man. He, okay. He, he's yeah. a winner, uh, and he's coached before, so just it, he played in a tough era. Um. So funny to say. Uh, like when Rogers is coming through, I was ready to move on from Favre. Not that I didn't think Favre was good, but I was like, dude, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's going to win more championships than Favre. Like he's just a more, he's just an athlete. He's a pure passer. Just he, he's a hell of a competitor. And how many has Rodgers won? One. In how many years? I think 13, 14. Now was Favre one or two? I know they beat the So Patriots. he won one, but right. he was at two. Correct. Okay. Um, And he kept leading them into the NFC championship here and there. Like he still, he still won. Um, but this goes back to what I just said earlier too. I feel like it's so much easier to be a quarterback right now than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, this now give me about five years. And if Rogers wins another one or sure. does some more things, I might switch this, but I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, uh, I'd have Favre coming off the be- bench and then Rogers peace out, brother. Cutting Aaron Rodgers. I can't. I, that's I, I, that's so tough to do. But hard to hear a Packer fan say that. However, I mean, look at the other two guys. I mean, no. so I gave you a no-win situation here. Well, and I was thinking, there's no way star, but you don't know what it was like back then. Like, there was sure. no padding. Sure. sure. And th- there was shit. Was there even? Um, was there unnecessary roughness back there? Even <laughs> it was yeah, different. Di- officiated much differently. No doubt right. about it. But. Oh, man, Coach, this was so much fun. If y'all enjoyed this show as much as I did, please take that moment, give us a five-star review. That drives us up the charts so more people can hear stories like Coach Rickards. Uh, he's making a difference out there and now in Tennessee. Hit that follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo, Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. We lift up our own inside of Team Player Nation. So we do a lot of word of mouth, recommendation type stuff. So if, if you have someone you want on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email or, or, or message me on Twitter. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach Rickert, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Coach Gobo, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 